Hello, everybody. It is Sun Hour, and we are here to talk about the sun and its influence and appearance throughout esoteric tarot. Let's go for it. So we are starting out, as usual, with the Orphic Hymn to the Sun. It is our little invocation, something that you can chuck out Sunday at sunrise or Sunday at like approximately 2 p.m., which is the eighth planetary hour of the day. And the hymn that we use is Orphic Hymn number eight to Helios. Number 33 is to Apollo, but for some reason, everybody seems to use the Orphic Hymn number eight to the sun or to Helios as the appropriate one to use for Sunday. All right, this one's pretty long. It's not as long as the Venus one. As usual, Mel is using the Apostolos Athanasakis translation, and I am reciting the Greek you can find the translations either in the Athanasakis translation of the Orphic Hymns or in Patrick Dunn's more recent, the Orphic Hymns, which also has the Greek. They both do, yeah. Oh, they... This one does too. The one I have one? has it. Really? It's a different copy, but it has it. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Mine doesn't. Oh, maybe you have the earlier edition? Do you I have must, the old yeah. one? Yeah. This one is really recent. Okay. And they I, got I rid of it. The older one. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. that's a prize. Yeah. That's a prize. What it's gotta be from like the sixties. I'm not sure. Something like that. Yeah. I should have brought it. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Anyway, so you can either use the Apostolus Athanasakis edition, which has the Greek if you can find the first edition, which Mel has, or you can use the Patrick Dunn Orphic Hymns edition. All right, um, I'm going first. Is that right? Yep. All right. Kluthi makar pan oma. Hearken, O blessed one, whose eternal eye sees all. Titan krusalges huperion uranionfos. Titan, radiant as gold, Hyperion, celestial light. Autofues akamas zoon hedea prosopsi. Self-born, untiring, sweet sight to living creatures. Dexia men genitor eus eonume nuctus. On the right you beget dawn, and on the left night. Crassin echon horon tetrabamosi posichoreon. You temper the seasons as you ride your dancing horses. Eodrome roidzetor pyroes phaidrope di froita. And rushing swiftly, O fiery and bright faced charioteer. Rombu apeiresiu dineumasinoi monalaunon. You press on your course in endless whirl. Eu sebesin kato dege kalon zamene sasebusin. And harsh to the impious, you teach good to the pious. Chresolure kosmu tonenarmonion dromon helkon. Yours the golden lyre and the harmony of cosmic motion. Ergon semantor agaton horotrofe cure. And you command noble deeds and nurture the seasons. Cosmo crator suricta puridrome cuclo elicte. Piping lord of the world, a fiery circle of light. Phosphore aiolodecte, feresbia carvime paian. Is your course in O paian, your light gives life and fruit. Ai thales amiante cronu paterathanatezeo. Eternal, pure, father of time, O immortal Zeus. Eudia pacifies cosmu to peridromonoma. You are the clear, brilliant, and all-encompassing cosmic eye. Spenumenon lampon te calais actisifaenais. Both when you set and when you shine your lovely and radiant light. Decta dikaios unes philonama te despota cosmu. A paragon of justice, O water-loving lord of the cosmos. Pistofulaxae panupertate pasinaroge. You guard pledges, and ever the highest, you help all. Oma dikaiosunes, zoesphos, o elasipe. Eye of justice and light of life, o charioteer. Mastigi ligure tetraoron harma diokon. With screaming whip, you drive the four-horse chariot on. Cluthi logon, hedun de bion, mustasi profaine. Hear my words and show life's sweetness to the initiates. <laughs> With your screaming whip. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> That's, it's so interesting, right? Because it's yeah, like this it mix of like sweetness and light and sort of inexorable, you know, heat and fury. It fits. Yeah, it does fit. You know, there's that uh, relationship with harmony and that's kept by justice. So there's definitely a little severity 
along with the mercy. Yeah, the eternal eye sees all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The sun, the blazing light, the lord of the fire of the world. Our world. Our own personal star. Our own personal star in the sky. All right. You want to talk about the astronomy of the sun? I don't know. What can you say? I mean, it's the center (laughs) of the solar system. It's the center of all. It's a big fiery ball, 93 million miles from Earth. First among equals. It's funny that we always talk about the seven planets since, you know, how is the sun a planet? It is the wanderer is how it's a planet. It's the same way the moon and the other five planets are planets. But traditionally, you know, it makes more sense in terms of the medieval model where it's like spheres within spheres. Mm. And even in that model, it's the middle one. So it's the idea that, you know, in terms of its apparent orbital speed, it's the middle. In terms of its distance from us, it appears to be the middle. You know, in terms of the tree of life, it's the middle. Right. <laughs> right. Center of all. Center of all. And if you do the, uh, if you look at the Thema Mundi, like we were looking at in the previous episode, you know, it's the moon and the sun are the middle. And then you have Mercury. And then you have Venus. And then you have Mars. And then you have Jupiter. And then you have Saturn sort of radiating out from the center. Cancer, Leo, right. sun, moon. Uh, two of each hub. Right. But the sun and moon, there's only the sun and there's moon. There's only just the sun one. and moon. That's sun and right. moon paired right up at the top or center. So just as we were doing in the uh, moon card, we're going to be talking about the sun card. Um, and for its sign that it rules is Leo, which is associated with strength or lust. Then we will be talking about the five decanic Miners that go with the sun, specifically the three of wands for sun in Aries one, the ten of swords in sun in Gemini three, the uh, Leo Virgo, the eight of pentacles or discs, the sun in Virgo one, the six of cups, the sun in Scorpio two. And the four of discs or pentacles, the sun in Capricorn three. Yeah, I should just look at your paper over there. It's a lot easier. Um, yeah, so yeah, and we'll also be talking about the five, six, and seven of wands, which are the cards associated with Leo that is associated with the strength card. And we'll also be talking about the four sixes because six is the number of the sun in the sense that Tiferet is the Sephira of the sun and it is the sixth Sephira. It sounds like a lot of cards, but it's not as many as usual, actually, because, you know, the sun and the moon each only rule one sign, where the other five all have two and we have that many more cards. Exactly. Yeah, it sounds like a lot, but it's it's really not. Still 14 cards, and that's not counting the courts. <laughs> right. So so as we were saying, it's the sun at the heart of everything, but also the big the f- chief. Yeah, and we we will often see references to the sun as the heart, but also as the head, depending on the context. Yeah. Um, because sometimes it's the first, and sometimes it's the middle. <laughs> uh, what else can we say about it? Well, I think the most important thing about the sun besides being sort of in traditional astrology considered the king, the gold, the life force, is that, you know, it is this this source of life and uh, everything that grows. And yet, no matter what it gives, it is never diminished. That's yeah. the nature of the sun. Yep. And its light comes from itself. So it's the inner, you know, the inner fire, it, the inner fire, the inner light in astrology because it it's self-reliant. It needs nothing to shine. <laughs> right. The only thing that I wanted to sort of add to the astronomy is just the names of the sun and no, sure. other languages. I mean, I guess we, we talk about it as Helios in Greek, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Sol. Sol as well in Latin. And the the Hebrew for sun is Shemesh, mm-hmm. but the Arabic is Shams. So they're basically cognate. They're basically mm-hmm. the same thing. Um, Al-Shams, the sun. I, you know, I wasn't able to sort of get, dig down into the etymology because it's hard to do etymology in other languages. <laughs> but also, I think, I think it basically just means shining. You know, it's the same way 
kind of the same way that the Venus ones did. It's a different word. But the sun is so basic that it's kind of hard to break down. The sun is the sun. The sun is the sun. It is, of course, uh, astrologically rules Leo, which means its detriment is in Aquarius. It is exalted in Aries. Again, that concept of the head as well as the heart, which means its fall is in Libra. That's interesting because Leo rules the heart and the spine. Which right. is what the head is attached to. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So you have rulership in the heart, exaltation in the head. And it's also interesting, too, the idea of the spine, you know, with the sun has a lot to do with the idea of courage and this, you know, mm-hmm. this, the backbone, having spine. the spine, yes. you know, having courage. It's, it's also interesting, too, because you can think of the spine as will and the heart as love. So again, you have that idea of will and love, mm. you know. Nice. It's interesting that the sun is in fall in Libra, because Libra, of course, is the card of acknowledgement of others. And the sun has no real need for that. The sun sun is, it's me. I'm (laughs) the sun. I contain it all. It's the the complete individual. It is the healthy ego, I guess. Yeah, the self and the, the consciousness of the self, as opposed to Libra's, the consciousness of the other. And Aries, you know, where it's exalted, you know, that's the ego is very active the, mm-hmm. in Aries. The Aries is like the uh, the infant, you know, the infant knows nothing about its anything except for its own needs. Right. And speaking of the infant, we often see either a child or two children in the sun. Mm-hmm. And we talked in the sun episode about the difference in perspective that means, you know, the idea of either that the sun is a whole, so it includes both itself and its shadow, or the idea that you are striving towards the light. But in either case, it's still about me, <laughs> right? It's still about the entirety and the wholeness and the, um, it's not about acknowledging another outside of the self. So what about detriment and debility in Aquarius? Yeah, Aquarius seems more like universal man, humanity based rather than an individual man. Like the sun is all about individuality right. and the, the self and the individual. Person versus and the, people. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where Aquarius yeah. is more, you know, all about mankind kind of in the universal sense. Yes, yes. And it also is... You know, rather than putting the person at the center, it's Saturn. So it puts the person in the abstract at the outside, you know, Sun versus Saturn, Leo versus Aquarius in traditional rulership. And that is a consequence of the arrangement of the planets radiating outward from the Sun. You you would think, too, you know, the Sun obviously is all about warmth in a sense, where Aquarius is often considered very cool. Mm -hmm. It's coolness, you know, it's ruled by Saturn and and Uranus. Um, So it's like, so with, with Aquarius, it's got the... It can't have freedom without discipline because it's got that dual mm. Uranus-Saturn rulership, whereas the sun is complete freedom. Right. Freedom to act individually. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting, the sort of Leo-Aquarius axis with Capricorn and Aquarius over there on the cold end. <laughs> so when we think about the sun astrologically, there are particular conditions of the sun that are different from other quote unquote planets in the sense that a conjunction with the sun is complicated. Like mm. you have those three conditions under the beam, mm-hmm. combust and Kazemi. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a conjunct with another planet, certain conditions apply and you'll see the, those energies interacting with each other, each in their own way. But with the sun, you have these three conditions, which are actually forms of dignity. So when a planet is under the beams, that's anywhere from 15 degrees and closer to the sun. And it's considered to be um, kind of occluded by the sun's glory, like it can't express itself fully because the sun's there. When it's taken all the credit, it's taken all the credit. And then when you have combust, it's even more so. That's like within seven degrees, I guess. When when something's combust, it's like you really don't see anything but the sun. It's like if you were to look at any planetary body next to the sun, all you would see is the sun. But then there's that special moment right in the center of the transit called Kazemi. And I've seen it 
differently defined. I've seen it as like 17 minutes before, 17 minutes after, but right in that moment where there is a dignity that's conferred on the planet by the sun. It's as if the sun is burned off all the extraneous, non-essential parts of that planet. And then for just a second, you have this very pure expression of the planet. So for example, I know that Kate Coppock recently did a Mercury Kazemi series, right? When that happened, because Mercury's doing that all the time, right? Going back and yeah, forth in right. front of the sun. Right. Sun's um, little buddy. Yeah. So for second, it's almost like, you know, you hold the planet up to the sun and the sun shines through it and you see this very, very exalted version or exalted in the loose way, not the astrologically specific way. <laughs> that's something that's kind of interesting about the sun because when you think about the negative qualities of the sun, that's what I think of the idea that it's burning off the extraneous, which is, you know, purifying, which is positive in a sense, but also maybe a bit difficult from a individual subjective perspective to deal with. Purification by fire. Yeah. Yeah. In the grimoires, often like sun times are bad for a lot of things. The only things they're really great for is asking things from people in power. But otherwise, sun can be quite difficult to work with. Its taste is said to be, Vettius Balance said, its taste is bitter. Interesting. But you also see other people Saturn saying it's sweet. Yeah, 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 for sure. Saturn is definitely bitter. I think about like, you know, the sun's, we'll talk about it more when we do correspondences, but I think about the sun's like having rulership over all these sweet citruses, but if you bite into a citrus seed, it's bitter. So what more about the astrology can we say of the sun? Well, the sun in sun in your chart. Yeah, the sun in your chart is really a lot about your your essence, you mm-hmm. know, your 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 spirit, your self mastery, your your health. Yeah, it's sort of the essential core of sort of what you're here to do as opposed yeah. to your image and personality right. of the moon. Individuality, your will to be. Right. Yourself. <laughs> yeah, you often hear about people saying they want to know what their purpose here on Earth is. And I think of that as a very solar question. Yeah, totally. You know, that's the great work, like to join the moon with the sun, the uh, Discovery the life your force. true will. Yeah. spark inside. Making, uh, making contact with your inner sun. Right, the inner divinity, you mm-hmm. know, that um, self-reliant part of yourself. Right, which is why we associate the sun with the, you know, with the with the heart, with the with Tiferet and the holy right, the guardian divine, angel. Divine consciousness. <laughs> when we're seeking for, like, our purpose in life, we're seeking to marry our unconscious and our conscious. So we want to, like, have a purpose, but we want to feel like doing it. Too. Right, right. <laughs> you know, we want it to be a lot of the time. This is expressed to me by clients in the context of work, right? I want to know what my purpose is and I want to want I, to I, do I it. I want it to be something I like. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. Exactly. Right. Which is the great quest. Really. Don't, don't make my purpose selling insurance, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It must be really hard to have your sun and moon really at odds in your chart. You would think, you know, that yeah. would be a difficult thing. You would think so. You, would you know, your so. feelings yeah. and what you what you need as opposed to what you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got almost a full moon in my chart with sun and Virgo and moon in Aquarius, but, you know, with the ascendant in Pisces. So it's always pulling towards the Pisces side. And I... My experience of that is just that constantly seeing things from two sides all the time, never seeing it like purely from my point of view. Mm. And I, you know, I mean, it's like anything else. I think you just, that's your conditions that you're given and you learn to live with it. Anyway, so, um, so astrologically, yeah. So we look for the sun to, um, tell us something about our, ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. And this is something that's kind of interesting that, I've heard on astrology podcasts, like everybody knows their sun sign. Everybody looks it up as their horoscope. But because of sect, the sun is not necessarily always your luminary, right? Right. It might be the moon. Right. Right. So, you know, 
it's worth maybe trying if you're born at night like me to look up your moon sign instead and see if that applies better if your sun mm-hmm. sign's not, not And of course, there's so always, well. most of the horoscopes are written from the perspective of your ascendant sign. Right, that, that's true. When they're talking about houses and effects of life, so reading your ascendant is often a lot more accurate. That's a good point. Well, speaking of houses, like the sun technically... You mean, are you going to say something about... Oh, yeah, actually, Leo fifth and house and Leo. House, yeah. Because there is a sort there is of a parallel connection. there, yeah. Yeah, if you think about Leo as, you know, if you want to draw that fifth house connection as, you know, the sun being responsible for pleasure and children, in a sense. And creative things in general, not mm-hmm. just children, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 creations. Creations, yes. Creations and creatures and children. And romance. Yeah. Which is kind of... Odd. You usually think of the moon and Venus as romance, but Mm. the fifth house is associated with the romantic part of love, I guess. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's, let's see, mythology of the sun? Oh, we got all sorts of interesting. We've mentioned Helios just as the Greek name of the sun and Apollo. Then we've got Ra or Ray, depending on how... You want to pronounce it, which, mm-hmm. you know, I've always said Ra, but really I think it was pronounced Ray, which makes sense uh, mm. <laughs> just because of Sun Ray. <laughs> yes. But I have to yeah. get used to saying it that way. What's it pronounced, Ray? That's interesting. Yeah. Closer to all of the Romance Languages version of King. That's why you sometimes see it written as R-E instead of R-A. Oh, I see. Ray. Amun-Ra or Amun-Ray. There's Horus, of course, as a sun god. Horus Sunflesh. Horus... Uh, Heru Raha, Ra Harakti, Horus of the Two Horizons. Which I can never get those straight. <laughs> the, the rising sun and the, the two horizons are the setting and rising sun. So Horus of the Two Horizons, Ra Harakti. Um, there's in in just as the sun disk, the Egyptians called them Aten, and that's when you usually see the sun with those like rays of light coming down that look like they have little hands on the end of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. that's Aten. Mm. They're usually either like healing gods or redeeming gods in some way, sun gods, solar gods. Right. You expect there to be some aspect of medicine, um, some aspect of um, redemption, and sacrifice is actually a huge part right. of the solar myth, right? right. So yeah. the redemption Christ by being and Buddha. Right, right, right. All of the gods of Tiferet. But the easiest way to think of that is just the idea that the sun goes down at night and people thought of that as a death yeah. every single night and right. a rebirth. And then a rebirth. <laughs> ideas of beauty and harmony, the Apollonian ideas tend to go mm-hmm. go along with the sun. But also there's the uh, the idea of motion goes with it, the sun's chariot, right? Right, the never-ceasing so, motion of the sun it yeah. never stops moving. Yeah, that the uh, quartered circle that we wear is, you know, one interpretation is that that's the wheel the of wheel. the sun's yeah. chariot, right? So we have ideas of being a regulator of time, um, of being, you know, a source of beauty, a source of kingship and authority, of ruling the public in a way, you know? Yeah. Having yep. a, the spotlight. Yeah, that's something we really see in the five, six, and seven of wands. Cosmic eye. Right. The cosmic eye. Yeah. I'm kind of looking at our Orphic hymn again to get some of those um, themes of uh, swiftness and moving and, uh, and right, harmony. All those chariot gods. <laughs> yeah. There's, here's something that's interesting that I didn't know until yesterday. You know that line about Pion in the. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orphic hymn. I looked up Pion, and Pion was supposedly the physician of the gods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, but that sense. name later attached itself to Helios and to Apollo. Yeah. As so, when we see that word Pion, it's in, it's indicating the medicinal qualities. Yeah. Of the sun. There's always some association for me with of the sun card, just with health in general. Like, yeah, for sure. Usually good health. Usually yeah, good Depending health. on Bigger. context. But yeah, usually it's, you know, the, the life force, energy right. of the life force and how strong it is. Right. I like the um, 
you know, the idea of the sun, the Egyptian sun gods and riding in the solar barge. I just find that the boat yes. of millions of years, I just find that so poetically beautiful as it travels through the, the 12 gates of the hours of the day and the 12 gates of the hours of the night. Yes, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to say something further about Payan for a second. You can invoke the medicinal Apollo or Helios as there's a there's a chant you can say which is Ieya Payan. Ieya Payan. So like uh that's a, like if you're Almost calling it like Yao Pen. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does sound like that. Interesting because it's like you know, that's something you would call out if you were asking for help with health. But there's this theory of uh, the seven Greek vowels, alpha, epsilon, eta, iota, omicron, upsilon, omega, that they're associated with the seven planets. So like in terms of our usual order, it would be going from moon to Saturn, alpha to omega. But then that makes the sun the center of it. Um, associated with Iota. So when you say this invocation, Ieya Payan, it's almost like you're connecting with that vowel and connecting with that sound of the sun, that tiny secret seed sound of the sun, which makes you think also of the Hebrew equivalent, which is Yod. It almost sounds like Ihei to one of the names of Keter, which, you know, the tip of the Yod being Keter reminds me of that. Yeah, that life force. Source of all. <laughs> mm-hmm something from nothing <laughs> right because the tip of the yod is supposed to be in keter and then it sort then of expands just, out yes yeah the tiniest sound of all goes with the sun <laughs> it's kind of like the symbol of the sun the circle with the dot in it you know the tiny dot yes in the in the center of the circle yeah yeah we talked at one point i love that symbol i do too I, we talked at one point about how like if you stood a yod on its end and cross section it might look, it like, look that, like that with yeah. the point and the, the tip yeah, you know, and the yeah. fat part as and the, the circle yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting concept though this the, like the circle being you know the totality or the 360 degrees of the zodiac and then that point of light you know spark of divinity or however you want to look at it center you know the fertilized egg and mm-hmm. it's also the symbol for gold which i find really cool as well because yes. you know, the sun's association with gold yeah and that sort of implication that here's the universe and here's you within right. it and you are here you are here i actually right. have a poster somewhere it used to be hanging i have it stored away but it was one of those pictures of the universe and i think i drew an arrow on it or something you are here because it makes you feel like very small on the one hand but also the center of everything on the other yeah so there's that sensation of both smallness and bigness i think that is part of the sun experience so we were starting to talk a little bit about the kabbalah of the sun uh the sun of course is harmony and beauty harmony and beauty it is tiferet sometimes translated as beauty. We, we, we associate the six or Tiferet with sacrificial gods, among other things. Yeah, the, uh, the magical visions of the Sephira. One of them is the mysteries of the crucifixion. Right. And the other is the vision of the harmony of things. Yeah, the redemption associated with sacrifice, the idea that the sun sets and rises again. And the magical image is a king, a child, a sacrifice god. So we've got all those yes. themes resonating through. And the magical weapons are the bow and arrow and the lamen. So and the, the rosy cross. And the rosy cross, right. So the bow and arrow is interesting because we associate that both with the sun and the moon. The, yeah. You know, I find that, uh, well, Apollo and Artemis. you know, Both archers, both yeah, hunters. Yeah. Right. They have to be on, on their steeds coursing through the sky, chasing after something. But the lamen is a curious thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Isn't the lamen... very feminine. Well, it's like something that hangs, a plate that hangs in front of it's you or a in decoration. The, in the vesica Pisces shape, though. Okay. Is... I've seen it as, as that, but also as the rosy cross itself, mm-hmm. and also as like a, a sort of um, badge that you wear in right. front. So it, either, whichever it is, it is supposed to indicate your office, mm. your uh, your intention, your role, your purpose, which is very solar 
Yeah. You know, yeah. it's weird. The power, one of the powers or the power of the sons was the, um, the power of acquiring wealth. Yeah, I saw which that. Which you would, you would think of that as being more a Jupiter Venus thing, but nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. You see it in Venus and Jupiter in the sun, the sort of like the power of acquiring wealth. And he, I also think he says in 777, the red tincture. Mm-hmm. Which is the philosopher's stone, essentially, right. right? Same thing. I guess we see the power of acquiring wealth in the when we get to the four of uh, discs there, right? Power, right. You know, and also remember that power, the which is wealth, <laughs> the mundane power of the philosopher's stone was to turn lead into gold, right. which was right. a form of acquiring wealth for right. sure. Yeah, and the motive for most of most of the, <laughs> right. most of history for trying to find that thing, right. One thing I was going to mention, because you were, you said something like, the sun is the sun. The sun is, is the, the sun. sun. That's right. Yeah. And when you said the sun is the sun is the sun, I was like laughing because when you look up the description in 777 of the card it, for the sun, it says the sun. <laughs> but then you go into the appendix and it, and and it, it has more. The, the, yeah. The wall and the fairy ring and two children embracing and stuff. But when you first, when you look yeah. up in the main section, it just says the sun. <laughs> Like it is no more it is. need be said. So it's the sun, but it's also the sun with an O, the father and son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's your sacrifices and redemption there. Yeah. Uh, and it's also the sun is bridegroom of the daughter who yep. is in Malkut. Yeah. So, you know, those magical images mentioning a king and a child, you could think of the prince because the, the yes. princes are all associated with the. In Sephira, the same way. The prince is in Teferit in the same way the princess is in Malkut and the same way the queen is in Bina and the king or knight is in Chokmah, right? That's the Sephira of the sun. However, confusingly enough, we also have the path of the sun yes, because of just the way it worked out. Um, sun and sun are uh, expresses both as a sephira and a, and as a path. And the path is the path of resh. Oh, maybe we should say something about um, saying resh. Yeah, yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. So resh is a rite in Thelema. Liber resh Valhilios. Meaning? Of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> it is an essentially an, an invocation and acknowledgement of the sun. Of the four stations of the sun. So sunrise noon, sunset, and midnight. So the rite was performed at all of those times. It's kind of a mindfulness thing. Yeah. If you can, you know, if you can remember to do it at all the right times, it's a really good practice. Said to get you over the fear of death. Oh, nice. Because of the undying sun, you know, the way that just continues on and on and on. Yes, yes. Interesting. Sunrise and sunset, but um, noon, I guess symbolic noon, and midnight. I mean, I suppose you would have to be up in the middle of the night to be exactly at the sun's nadir point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in practice, you probably do it right before bed. Right. So yeah, anyway, yeah. it's addressing the sun in, in four forms. Mm-hmm. So Ra in his rising, mm-hmm. a Hathor, a Hathor mm-hmm. in the noon, noontime, uh, Tum at the setting or a Tum and, uh, Kefra, the beetle at midnight. Mm, nice. Interesting. It's one of my favorite rites, actually. Yeah. Do you do it uh, regularly? I was going to say religiously. I do <laughs> it regularly while I do it regularly. And I go through periods where I do it religiously, re- regularly yeah. for long periods of time. And then I slack. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot it's, to, it's, it's a lot to take on. It's actually. probably one of the ones I've done more than any of the others just because I really enjoy it. So it's basically mostly a spoken rite. Well, there's visualization. Visualizations. As well. Sort yeah. of like the LBRP. Assuming, kind yeah. of assuming the God forms and, and, and visualizing the, the words of the, the rite, which come directly from Liberal. Mm-hmm. Some of it anyway. There's a, there's a part of it that is based on that. Yeah, and I think that there's also, you know, it's important to remember the fourfold nature that goes with the sun, in a sense, you know, the unfolding of the four L's of right. the sun. Yep. Um, Life, light, liberty, and love. That's right, which Crowley associated with this card. I always love that because if you look at the four L's and rotate them, you get the solar disk, the quartered cross. Right, set them in motion and they sort of leave those yeah. trails that create the circle. Yeah. So the the virtue of... Tefera is devotion to the great work, which makes a yes. lot of sense. 
and the vice's pride, which also makes a lot of sense. Yes, it does. When we talk about the sort of negative aspects of the sun, it all has to do with the taken to an extreme qualities of the sun, because the sun is supposed to be balanced and regulated in and of itself. But if you take it to an extreme, you get, you get pride, you get that combust and, and under the beams quality of obliterating everything else. Uh, and you get the gifts and attributes of the sun are fertility and barrenness, seed and desolation. So the, um, right, the sun that brings growth or burns in the desert. Yeah. Okay. So the, the term for seed is Zora. Zora. And, and that is not, that can be to sow or disseminate. So when they say fertility and barrenness, they're talking about seed, but it can also be semen, literally. And then for barrenness, I have shamema or samema. I'm not actually sure how that's pronounced, but it's aridity, wasteland, barrenness, or wildness. So it's like, again, that out of control, out of balance, non-civilized, dried up desert, desert, basically. Desert is wasteland. Desert is barrenness. Desert is place where nothing can grow because it's too sunny. <laughs> Whereas the sun is our, our, our source of fertility. So those two, um, opposites are, Embodied in extremes. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that the extremes are temperateness and extremeness. <laughs> right. Resh is. Yeah. We should talk a little about Resh because we got distracted yeah. in, when we were talking about Libra Resh. Right. 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 So Resh is the, the, the Hebrew letter associated with, um, with the path of the sun. And Resh, of course, means head. Um, but and sometimes face. Yeah, head face, or face. Head. Yep. Yeah, the expressive part yep. of our heads. Whereas the moon's letter is kuf, meaning the back of the head. Yep. So there's a real opposition implied in those two letters. We think of resh as the thinking part, the cognition. The um, conscious versus yeah. the subconscious of kof. The letter resh, you know, we sometimes talk about how... In Jewish mysticism, the letter, we look at what the letter begins, is the first letter of Ruach, it's often said. The Ruach, of course, is one of the parts of the soul. And it's, uh, you know, we talk about the Neshama, the Ruach, and the Nefesh, the Neshama being the sort of creative part that's closest to God, associated, you know, with the upper Sephirot. And then the Ruach is either associated with Yetzirah or with the six Sephirot. Uh, right. around to around ferret. It, I'm not yeah. really sure which it's supposed to be more, but it means wind or breath. Um, and then nefesh is the animal soul, right. and which means rest. So, so, so Ruach you, is kind of the bridge between the two, the conscious, exactly. the conscious mind, the intellect that bridges the animal to the divine. Yeah, I saw a really good explanation this by of this by Arya Kaplan yesterday, where if you imagine God exhaling the soul into the human being, and you go from neshama being the divine speech to Ruach being the steady wind or breath, and then nefesh being it coming to rest, then, you know, you can imagine the Ruach as like the breath of creation, you know, blowing through us, blowing the soul into the body and keeping it there. So, um, so, so that is what brings the Ruach represents our cognitive understanding of the divine, you know, our connection to the source. And so it's a really important concept and a really important letter for that reason, I think. I kind of thought of it as the area, like, if you um, connect all the sephiro around mm -hmm. Tiferet and form that six-pointed star, the, the microprosopis thing, you have yeah. to include dot, but yeah, 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 you get that. You can do that. You can do that. Yeah, and that's sort of like Tiferet as the as the shorthand for those six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other another word that Rush starts is the word for healer, Rofe, doctor. Mm makes sense because, you know, I think we've gotten a little bit away from this in Western medicine, but I think, you know, traditionally medicine is just bringing the body into balance, you know, so all of our Ideally, illnesses are yeah. out of balance. Illnesses. That's what it used to be all about. Right. That seems to be about health insurance companies making money. <laughs> Unfortunately. Anything we want to say about the path of the sun, uh, path between, mm -hmm. uh, Hode and Yisod. And Yisod. Which I yeah. find is super interesting. Where's that word again? Just because, <laughs> you know, 
Mercury hoed and the moon he sowed. I think, you know, Mercury, we talk about, we joke about Mercury being the little buddy that revolves around the sun. And then we've got the moon that's the little buddy that revolves around the earth, you know. All the little buddies are together. Yeah, it's the path of the two little buddies. (laughs) (laughs) With the big buddy in between. Right. (laughs) Yeah, but also it's that combination, Mercury, Mercury hoed, moon, yesode, and sun, as the path, absolutic path is, is interesting because that's alchemical, right? You yeah. know, so you've got the gold of the sun and the silver of the moon and the mercury, and the mercury which yeah. connects them. Yeah. So that's another sort of way to look at that trio. Oh, or, yeah. Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say the other thing about the breath of the, the breath of the ruach. It reminds me of the fact that the, um, one thing that, we haven't talked about so much is the sun is associated with prophecy and divination. Mm-hmm. The Mercury thing just reminds me of Bringing things to light. Yeah, yeah. And it's like prophecy, oracles, divination, there's this aspect of that where you just open your mouth and talk, right? right. You know, you don't know what's coming through. But Makes you think of the oracles of Apollo, you know? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. In fact, do you know that the, the sun version that Pamela Coleman Smith came up with is in fact taken from 17th or 18th century Belgian tarot through Eliphas Levy. Uh, There's something called the Chaldean Oracles of Julianus. There's a wormhole for you. (laughs) (laughs) Julianus, uh, it was a pretty popular text among the Golden Dawn, although it was from the second century. And there's a line in it that says something about seeing a horse more glittering than light or a boy riding on the back of a horse fiery or clad in gold or naked. So that's basically, you know, Mm -hmm. your Pamela Coleman Smith uh, sun card right there. Pamela's sun child always reminds me too of that William Blake illustration. You, yeah. ever, you know the one I'm talking about where the I guy's so. just like, he looks like the yes. sun child and he's got the same like arms thrown out Kimbo like that, like in yes. kind of joy. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Joy's total unselfconscious yeah. bliss, yeah. basically. Yeah. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the strength or lust card in the context yeah, of the okay. sun. Sure. Yeah. I think that there's almost two different ways that Sun expresses itself in the strength or lust card as Leo. And I think that they're really clearly separated, in a sense, by the Rider Waite Smith and Thoth interpretations. I mean, in Thoth, we have this sense of, I think Crowley called it the joy of strength exercised. Is Mm -hmm. that what lust is? Yeah. Yeah. That sort of vigor and health and the pure enjoyment of being alive. Yeah. But in Rider-Waite-Smith, it draws more on the strength tradition, which is strength as fortitude, a cardinal virtue. And that cardinal virtue is, you know, the idea of courage or standing up in the face of adversity. It's almost more antagonistic, right? right? right. So in, in Thoth, it's in Thoth in the idea of lust, it's like... One's almost control and mm-hmm. one's almost like abandoning control. Yes. Like yes, they're kind ecstasy. of opposite. Yeah. I agree. Which is a form of control, too, to not let that overtake you. The lower natures, you know, like to to ride them and master them rather than be carried away by them, I guess. Yes. Interesting. I mean, to me, it sort of ties in a little bit with what we were saying about medicine, you know, as allopathic or homeopathic, you know, the idea that the lust idea almost is about like refinding a balance that already exists, whereas the fortitude might be more like pushing against the pathology to try and achieve, you know, something. The idea of fortitude, I read a quote from Thomas Aquinas that said that fortitude of cardinal virtues is responsible for all impulses that help us to resist fear. So moral trials of strength. Yeah, because I believe that, you know, and this is something that, that we can talk about a little bit when we talk about the minors of Leo, that courage isn't just like, feeling brave in an in a vacuum you only feel courage when you're facing the face of adversity right yeah yeah Yeah. so it's almost like the sun shining for its own sake versus the sun dispelling the darkness and that again is tied into the sun card two child sun card as whole in itself as complete versus the one child sun card which is driving towards the light you know dispelling the darkness the greek concept of 
uh, fortitude, that cardinal virtue was expressed as Andrea, which means manliness. So that's son is masculine principle, you know, um, rationality dispelling madness, sun versus moon in that sense. Uh, another thing that you often see is strength as I've seen this in, I think maybe in the, uh, Besançon tarot, the idea that strength can be not necessarily always a woman, but also a Hercules figure is struggling with the Nemean lion. You know, yeah, that, I've seen the old. Press. Yeah, that's a, that's always weird to see, but, but that is a version of courage that, um, was archetypally significant at that time. Look it's at, interesting oh, too yeah. that both, mm-hmm. just about both strength and lust, both cards really show this, you know, the, the whole axis of Leo Aquarius, you know, the man and the beast or the woman and the beast. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. That sort of idea of lion as courage itself, but also untamed, you know, ferocity, yeah. head versus heart. Or head and heart working together. Or head and heart together, exactly. Yeah, so the five, six, and seven of wands, we could look at maybe as yeah, the cards Leo, of Leo. Leo cards. They're hermetic titles. Yeah, strife, victory, and valor. And I think we see something here like we also see in the Taurus cards where it's sort of like the before and the after and the perfect moment in between. I think you could almost say that there's a, you can see that pattern in all five, six, seven cards. Yes. So the with the five, you have strife, which is striving, trying to do something. <laughs> you know, the uh, the contest, it's a very forward looking, right? The pressure to achieve something, you know, there's something yeah. that wants to burst out. Yeah. That's under yeah. the forces of Saturn kind of constricting it down. Yeah, there's a real ambition and excitement, but it's, it's, definitely looking towards something which has not yet being cre- been created. And then in the six, you see that visible public accolades. Yeah, the the thing itself has come into the public and it's it is good. It is seen to be good by everybody. Blessed by Jupiter. Yeah, victory as as publicity. And then you have as valor in the seven of wands, you're trying to hold on to something which you've achieved in the six, and now it's getting hard. <laughs> it's really interesting too, because that's the most fiery in a way of the. It is the one. It's ruled by Mars. I suppose you could also look at the the five as you know, Givora also martial, but different expressions of martialness. That's right. That's right. And Mars and Sun really have a relationship in the same yeah, way Mercury the, and Sun have a relationship with the Aries exaltation. Right. Yeah. Where is Mars exalted? I've lost track. Capricorn. Capricorn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of interesting because, you know, the the sun is exalted at the start of the astrological new year. And Mars is exalted in Capricorn at, at the, the sun's southernmost right. point where it's in least light for us. Yeah. Yeah. So they're both sort of have this connection with each other's extremes. Right. It's the least light, but it's also where the sun gets renewed and starts its upward motion again from the nadir. Yeah. There was something interesting I saw, and I couldn't figure out where to put it, but maybe now's a good time, about the idea that... Okay. So you know how we've just passed the summer solstice, the sun at its height, and that takes place at the end of Gemini, first decan of Cancer. So opposite to that Capricorn point we were just talking about. And you know how one of the um, colors of the sun is that amber of cancer. So there's that quote of Crowley's where he says that the sun is fixed in the amber of cancer at summer solstice. I just love that idea that it's fixed, it's at its height, it's at its greatest length, and that's why they almost have this yellow light distilled into something viscous and real and solid. Yeah, I like and that, that connection with cancer there. Yeah, so that that sequence of five, six, and seven. I'm just gonna pull out your cards here to look at them too. Yeah, it's almost like you can see these these roiling forces on the five of seven. Um, that reminds me of that whole under the beams Combus Kazemi thing, because mm-hmm. the Six of Wands is like that Kazemi moment right. where everything's perfect. Everything, and it's kind of imbalanced. They're, they're still, they're poised right around that central rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the Kazemi is poised around that central moment. Yeah. And and it's, it's also uh, makes me think just of what it's like in divination, where there's like a sort of a perfect 
attitude of your mind where you can receive and transmit at the same moment, but it's kind of hard to get there sometimes, you know, and kind of hard to stay there too. Okay, so do you, should, are we ready to talk minors? We should probably do the sixes. Ah, oh, God, I always forget. Because Thank you for that, will me. In, that will include the six of victory that we yeah. already covered as one of the Leo cards. But, you know, the sixes are also important with the so sun sixes. The, as Teferet. Victory, pleasure, science, and success. The four cards of the six. I, I use this the keyword for six. I use purpose, which we've been talking about a mm-hmm. lot for for uh, sun for yeah. sun, life purpose, the will force, the true will. Because we really see in the six what the five is trying to achieve and what the seven is trying to preserve. That's the purpose. That's the heart of the suit, really. Mm-hmm. Even though it's ace through ten, so but really, really six is in the middle here. You know, the the sixes are probably the best cards in the entire deck because that's where the element is at its practical best. It's at its strongest. It hasn't even started to wane yet. It's right at its peak. Yeah. Balanced peak. Yet it's balanced peak. I think the nine is its maximum peak. Yeah, that's like the penultimate. But by then it's, uh, you know. There's a lot going on in there. Yeah. You know, it's almost too much drama. But the six is where you can actually do something with it. Yeah. It's you know the fixed part the the mm-hmm. the fixed signs the where something is definitely established hasn't yet started to wane but has built up its maximum potency, right right so so in the six of wands you see the the achieving of victory is this uh, moment where whatever you set out to do in battle has been achieved and now. Y- you're justifying why. <laughs> right. It's like, so if it's the element at its best, the element of fire, the energy of fire at its strength, it wants to achieve that sense of victory, mm-hmm. you know, that purpose of creation. Right. So if you think about it in your real life, it's like you strive and strive and strive. You, 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 you've been ambitious, you've made sacrifices, and then here you are. This is the thing that the you reward. wanted. Yeah, yeah. The job or the house or the, you know, the lifestyle or whatever it is, that creative force of the world of Atsilut. And then completely different, the Six of Cups is that mutuality, that sort of the purpose of sacrificing yourself in the Five, Six, and Seven of Cups. And the goal of Cups as, you know, the emotional, so if this is the element at its best, at heart, we all want to feel pleasant emotions. You know what I mean? We all, the part of the goals of, of love and emotion is to feel that pleasure. That, mm-hmm. that feeling that someone cares for you and that you care for them in return. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just talked about the insecurity of the seven where you feel like you're losing that. the And the mourning of the five where it's forcibly taken from you. But the six is that moment of care and um, attention. And then with the uh, five, six, and seven of swords. This one's interesting. The Lord of Science earned success. Earned success. Yeah, it's this is the problem solving card. That's like so the element at, of swords at its best is all about brains. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah using your brain to solve something. Yep. Right. Yeah. So the purpose is to be able to apply the intellect to problems and get through them. Uh, but with the five and the seven. I almost think of the five as like, you know, the purpose is to win, like feeling like the purpose is to win instead of to get something done. You can, you can have success with the five, but it's like, doesn't feel good. Pyrrhic victories. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like, you know, getting mugged or something like that. Yeah. Or, and the seven, it's the energy being frittered away in, you know, too many other plans and schemes. Right. But in the six, it's actually achieving the goal of getting right, you from point to A to point there, B. And using your brain to get there. Right. And then in the six of discs, we've talked about that in the Venus cards recently. It's that Kairos, the perfect moment where something can, the sexy six that can take root right. and the plant can germinate. The harvest. That's when like the garden's at its best and you have extra veggies to give away. <laughs> it's like five minutes. <laughs> but the five is the worrying about it beforehand and trying to get it right. And the seven is the, you know, is afterwards. Starting to fall off the vine. Off, yeah. And the pests have come and yeah. the, the worms are already doing their things. 
sixes are really a, a, a wonderful point of balance that we see. So um, minors of the sun, solar minors. We have the three of wands, the ten of swords, the eight of discs, the six, six of, cups. of cups, and the four of discs. All right. So shall we start with the three of wands? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember this card. It's been a while since we talked about it. <laughs> Yeah, virtue or established strength. Yeah, and that's really that... Again, that idea of strength. Yeah, and the sun is wisdom and rationality, I think, yeah. is in here. I look at it as this is the sun card that shows the sun on its very best behavior. Yes, I agree. Wise virility. <laughs> Wise application of your, your virility and your power and your strengths. Yeah, and the sun is also um, shining through Bina here. So it's like will transmitted to matter. Forced to form. Yeah, trying to create something with your purpose, your solar purpose. I think that there's that sort of like... Yeah, it's like the will to form, the will to be. It's the highest up we're going to get with the sun in the solar minors. Mm -hmm. You know, so there is that sort of overview, the grandiosity, the sort of like good rule of government, because you can see the whole big picture. And then we have, <laughs> from, from the sublime to the ridiculous, we have the Ten of Swords. This is really interesting to see, like all of the sort of... Ruin. Yeah, this is the barrenness of the sun, the wasteland, the, desert, yes. the combust... The under the beams. The ultimate destructive divisions of the mind. It's the sun that kills the other twin, you know? <laughs> right. And although the sun doesn't have a particular relationship to Gemini, which is what this is, sun in the Well, it does last... in the sense of with the, its relationship to Mercury. Yes, sort it of. does. I mean, a sort of relationship. There's a couple of different things that I want to say about that, which is that the sun is in its fall and its detriment in air, in Aquarius and Libra, the two other signs mm -hmm. of air, right? And also, it's the last minute, you know, the, the Ten of Swords is that last moment before the solstice in yeah. Cancer. Yep. So there's also that relationship where I often think of that moment in the of the solstice as the god's promise to the goddess that he will sacrifice himself. It is a form right? of death because it's in that decan where the sun stops increasing. Exactly, exactly. And it is also right at the birth of the Holly King, right? Yeah, yeah. So his nemesis is born in the moment right. of his greatest strength. His, his twin, other twin, gets killed off. Right, right, right. So really the Ten of Swords you know, is that twin killing metaphor of the exchanging of places that has to happen with those two. Also, I think of, you know, it's the sun expressing in Malkut, which is the concept of rest or endpoints. And it's almost like you said the sun is at stasis in the sky, but also that sort of like when the sun is highest in the sky, that's when everything turns into shadows of black and white. Yeah. There's no gray areas anymore. Yep. So that to me is also that sort of kill the twin expression of this card. So like when you experience a Ten of Swords, very often you've thought yourself black and white into a corner or you've gotten to the end of the argument where everyone's just rehashing the same points and you can't find any points of something compromise. Something has to end. Exactly. Yeah. Something has to end. It's also like, you know, the the dialogue within yourself where you have convinced yourself that everything is black, that, you know, painted black. You've gotten to this point of depression where you can't get out of bed and you've convinced yourself that everything's bad, bad, bad. The way that darkness before the dawn. Exactly. And how ex in itself extremism versus temperance is 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 a debility of its own, whether you're on extreme good or extreme light or extreme dark. And then we have um, prudence, which is the sun's expression in Virgo 1, uh, sun in Hode, health, productivity, vitality. Yeah, I wrote down passive productivity. So, so it's the sun's kind of benevolent warming action that... Yeah, that, that just causes things to keep growing, yeah, you know, without yeah. really that much. That's why you see on the Thoth card that big fat vine, mm -hmm. big fat growing vine with the leaves protecting the flowers and the sun just kind of beaming down above the source. You know, the sun is the source of growth. 
Also, the sun plus hode is Mercury. There's like that communication and sort of, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's another, another aspect of prophecy. You know, the idea that, I don't know, I was just sort of looking for a place where of these five minors, where the, where the gift of prophecy would come through, the solar mm. gift of prophecy. And it makes sense that it would come through in the mercurial one. I could see that, I guess. Yeah. But I think it's sort of But like, I also see it in maybe the 6 as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can see the that. The soul as well. the really solar one in the in the 6 where Yeah, I mean, the I oracle was... looks into the waters and mm-hmm. sees the sun sparkling on the waters and, you know, mm-hmm. scries it <laughs> through pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's um you know, there's a there's a quality of I'm thinking of ecstatic versus inhibitory gnosis here. So like the six is almost the ecstatic gnosis, six of cups and the eight of discs is that inhibitory uh, gnosis. And to me, you know, as a person whose natal deck in this is, I often think about how in just doing the job, doing the task, you just kind of chop turn off wood, your brain, carry water, chop wood, yeah. carry water. <laughs> yep. You find a kind of moment of perfect balance in just doing it. So speaking of the Six of Cups, here we are, uh, Sun and Teferit doing beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, and I really think of this one as being like where the seed, the uh, the seed versus barrenness thing happens mm. because you have that pleasure first of all but also the children yeah but fertilized by the waters of scorpio yeah sex i mean this is yeah it's definitely a card of sensuality and giving like sense pleasures yeah the giving of sense pleasure yeah it's interesting the taurus scorpio axis has the sexiest sixes (laughs) yeah (laughs) hadn't thought about that before sensual signs yeah but also the sort of aesthetics of the sun you know the music and dance and arts Mm. that are associated with apollo could be in there yeah definitely and then um finally we have the capricorn card the third decan of capricorn power or earthly power earthly power and here's all the gold that we transmuted from lead with our philosopher's stone (laughs) here's also where the sun kind of shows up as king you know yeah solely invictus this unconquered sun i am the king bit of an ego but you know, right. a lot of wealth behind it all stored up. The fortune and the favor of those in power, which is something you're supposed to petition right. with some sun things. Like we talked about the sun's magical power of acquiring wealth. There we go. Right there. there it is. There it is. There it is. Yep. It's all stored up in the vault. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like sun is sun filtering through chesed is that sort of like it just accumulates interest Jupiter, as it sits yeah. there right, right? right. <laughs> you know it gets more and more that's why in rosetta i put a bank vault in that card yeah yeah that's a great image of that and the idea that like if you leave it it will grow that the 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 concept of the stock market you know if yep. you if you accum- you want to accumulate Passive investing if you want to accumulate wealth hoard it and don't touch it and it'll get bigger <laughs> Unless you bury it in your stone wall. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so shall we talk correspondences? Sure. All right, so uh, correspondences. So Picatrix, it's interesting. Well, of course, we talked about in the body, it's the heart and the head, depending, and the the spinal cord. What's the magical power again of the sun? Acquiring wealth. Acquiring wealth, right, 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 right. Okay. You know, and I also sort of, with the heart and the head, I was thinking of, with the uh, strength card, intestinal fortitude, the courage that right. goes with your insides. You know, what made me think of acquiring wealth, though. There are many forms of wealth. You know, that's an interesting thing to consider. Mm-hmm. Are they necessarily talking about it in the way we think or not? Yeah, that's a because good health is wealth. As health they is say, absolutely you know. Wealth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just your strength and vigor are wealth. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Children are wealth. Yep. That's true. <laughs> or they can be. Or well they can be. It doesn't they seem like that at the a moment. Brain on your resources. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Don't let's not even talk about that. Oh my god. So Picatrix also says that in clothes, the solar clothes are precious and noble with lots of gold. Tastes are yes. thick and sweet. Mm, honey. Honey. I think of honey as a solar food. Yes, honey and citrus for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, cities are lofty and expansive. Trees lofty and beautiful, so you want things that grow well. Medicines are hot and sharp, so astringent, I suppose. Beasts are those which are valuable and useful and strong, so meaning the ones that we use, I guess. Horses. Horses, bulls, cattle, um, cattle of the sun. 
Birds are those that are kept by kings. So meaning like for Peacocks falconry in the garden. and for oh, ornament. falconry. Yeah. Yes, so, definitely falcons. Yeah. Any that we just look at or we play with. Colors, red, yellow, and gold. Pinks, yellows, and ambers. Pinks, yellows, and ambers as well. Yeah, those rosy, warm colors. The, the sunrise yeah. and sunset colors. Yeah, Picatrix seems to think that besides, you know, in terms of professions, of course, there's always the profession of king, though not many people can have that. Uh, sons of warriors. <laughs> it's good to be the king. Uh, yes. Uh, exalted people who delight in justice and truth mm. and abhor falsehood and violence. Desirous. And it could be like mm-hmm. rulers on minor scales, you know? Yeah, officials. Presidents, CEOs, heads mm-hmm. of Absolutely. organizations and heads of government in smaller senses than the king. And celebrities in a sense, because they have the light of the sun shining yeah. on them, the spotlight. Yep. People who are humble, perceptive, magnes- and magnanimous. <laughs> I thought you were going to say magnetic. You, well, that too, I would think. think would be solar. Older brothers and fathers. People that everything revolves around. <laughs> right? right oh, sure. you know what we forgot to mention, what too, um, before we totally close up about mm-hmm. other cards, uh, the cards that reduce oh, uh, God, to yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the sun card. Very interesting. Or, the sun card reduces two, I should so say. Really so really wheel, wheel and magus. And magus, absolutely. Magician, yeah. yeah, those those three are really interconnected. What a power trio, huh? I know. Wheel of Fortune, Magus or Magician, and Sun. You get the sense that there is... There's you your know, cosmic eye in the sky. Cosmic right eye in the, si- in the sky. sky. <laughs> and it's about determinism and agency, too. It's like the there's definitely that free will that interacts with fate in there yeah. and allows you to do the thing that you got to get the as above so below the wheel turning exactly like it's, that's so a it's power like trio when as a as above so below when you're in tune with the wheel your will is in tune with what happens to you, your fate what we were talking about like wanting to do the thing that you're here to do that is incredibly yep. powerful you're finding your true will and riding that wheel and trying to apply some of the magus towards your ultimate destiny so the invocation of the sun is pretty short uh, in Picatrix. It's just, uh, you who are the foundation of heaven and are exalted above all the stars and all the planets, holy and reverent, I ask that you may hear my petition and grant to me the grace and friendship of such and such a king and other kings as well. I conjure you by him who gave you light and life. You are the light of the world. Yeah. Light of the world. The light of the world. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of brings us back to the hermetic title, Lord of the Fire of the World. That's for sure. And it's like, this invocation doesn't really bother with that many attributes and all the things that you're in charge of, because you know. (laughs) We've talked about all these themes of... Well, I like best what Crowley has to say about the card, that it just involves the complete emancipation of the human race. That's nice. a beautiful concept. Yeah, finding your own kingship and authority. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, following your own star, the internal, your star. heart. Yeah, your heart, your heart, your sun, your honor, your rational mind, your will, your life purpose, your truth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, truth and prophecy, light, life, liberty, and love. Yeah, are the law. Very nice. All right. So I guess that's that. So thank you for helping us to shine a light on the sun. And we will be back next time with uh, Mars, Mars, I guess. Mars. Killer Mars. All right. So we'll see you then.